Well, it's definitely good to be with you, uh, be here with you this morning, even though it's through live stream. This is definitely new for me, but it's, we're praying that it's going to work out. As a guitar falls down, thank God it was a pastor or me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good to be here. It's good to get out of the house and, and just connect with you guys. Like I said, even though it's through live stream, um, we only have essential personnel here. Um, pastors here and James and Danica. We, you know, we got the cameramen all set up, my wife. And uh, God is here. The Holy Spirit is here. Jesus is here. And he's essential. And I know he's here and I know he's with you this morning. Uh, and before I get started, I, just want, to, I want to thank um, Pastor Rick for giving me this opportunity um, to bring forth the word of God this morning. Um, You know, you've been with me, as you've said, 10 years now, how time flies. Uh, Been with me through my ups and downs, my highs and my lows, you know, and and I thank you for the love that you've shown me and my wife and our family. And I'm sure I could stand in agreement with the entire congregation, the the love that you've showed the entire um, church. Um, you've really displayed the heart of God to us, and for that, we're, we're forever grateful. Um, and that's what kind of brings me to my topic of interest this morning, um, the heart of God, uh, the heart of God. Um, you know, we think of everything that's going on in the world today and how quickly things can change, and the entire world is affected by it. You know, but, but I sit here and I think about our God and how big our God is, how vast our God is. You know, I think in the the entirety of the universe. And God stands outside of the universe. He's actually creator of the universe. Even that term alone, universe, it means one statement. Uni meaning one, verse meaning statement. God spoke the universe into existence by one statement. He said, let there be light, and it happened just like that. And God is love. So God's love is bigger than the, the entirety of the, the universe. And his love is on display for us, and it's ready and it's available. I'm going to be preaching out of Luke 15 today, starting verse 11 uh, through 20, out of the NIV version. And as a beloved brother once told me, that's the translation that Jesus used. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Pastor. But um, before we get started, let's go, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Amen. Father, we just thank you for these moments, Lord. Um, We pray, Father God, that we would be able to dive into your word, into your truths, Lord, into your understanding. Father God, we pray that you would speak to us today, Lord, that amidst the the darkness and the chaos that's swirling around us, Father God, we would find some solitude, we would find some rest in your word, in your presence, Father God. We know that you are holy, Lord. We know, Father God, with all the uncertainty around the world, Father God, that you are a source of hope, Father God. We lean not on our own understanding, Father God, even the understanding of the leaders, Father God, but we trust in you and in your plans, Lord, and we pray that through all of this, Father God, your ultimate will will be done, Lord. You will grab our attention, Father God. You will pull our hearts closer to you, Lord. You are the only thing that remains the same, Father. In a world of change, Father God, you are the only thing that remains the same, Lord. So we give you this moment, Lord. We pray that you would speak to us today. Speak to our hearts, Father God, that you would tie us together, bind us together with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Let us stand in unity and agreement in your name, Father. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to be teaching of the the passage about the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son, more commonly known. Um, 
So starting in verse, verse 11, it says, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, and he set off for a distant country. And there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out, and I will go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. There's a couple things that strike me right away about the prodigal son. is um, He had all of his needs met. He was taken care of. He was completely provided for. Um, He had a place to stay. He had a place of residence. He had food on the table. He had clothes on his back. He had a father who loved him, who blessed him. Right? He asked for his inheritance early, and his father gave it to him willingly. His father gave him his blessing. You know, but even with all of that, he still left all that behind. He left all that goodness behind, and he, he chased after darkness. He chased after despair. He chased after earthly pleasures. He left his father behind. He left love behind. He chased after evilness. And it's striking because so many of us, myself included, Christian brothers and sisters, have left the goodness of God and we've chased after our own pleasures. We've chased after our own temporary satisfactions. And it's, it's quite alarming and it's scary because we've known God and we've, we've seen God. You know, and God has blessed us and he's provided for us. He's taken care of us. We've seen his hand over our lives. He's, we, we've seen him take us out from darkness already and pull us into his marvelous light, scripture says. But yet still we, we run off and we chase after these things that only lead to death, that aren't fulfilling, that bring us farther and farther away from, from God, away from love, away from life. How does that happen? How does somebody that, that knows God, that's seen God move, that believes in God, how do, how do we run away from him when, when we've seen all that? You know, I, as, as Pastor had mentioned, um, I was taking classes at the uh, Southern New England School of Ministry. And for one of my classes, I had, um, I had Mr. Uh, Bob Weiss, who was a former superintendent of the district of all the uh, AG churches. And he, propo- he proposed a question to the classroom. And this was actually a pastoral ministry classroom. Um, so he's speaking to aspiring pastors or to... Um, leaders that feel they have a calling of, of pastoral ministry in their lives. And he asked the entire class a, a question. He, he asked, what is the number one reason a pastor fails in ministry? You know, and this is a question that we could really apply to brothers and sisters in Christ. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor. If, if you're a believer, this question applies to you. What is the number one reason a Christian fails in their walk with God? And, you know, we're all throwing these different ideas out there. And, you know, we all thought we were quite clever. We all thought we got it. And we were all right in a sense, but it all stems from one thing. 
and it's so simple and it's so true. He said, lack of quality time spent with Jesus. Lack of quality and and an adequate amount of time with Jesus each and every day. You know, we have this little cute innuendo cliche that we like to say as Christians, and it's true, I've I've used it myself. Um, It's not about religion, it's about relationship. Which is, it works well, it's, it's nice. I've used that in evangelism, and it's true. But how many Christians have a true, authentic, real relationship with the Father? How many of us truly know our Father? You know, we, we could say we're saved, and of course we, we probably are, but if, if, we, if we're not communicating with Jesus, if we're not in prayer each and every day with Jesus, if we're not in his word, allowing him to speak into our lives, if we're not around like-minded believers each and every day, allowing God to speak through them into our lives, allowing God to speak through us into their lives, there's no, there's no open line of communication. There's no relationship there. I could say I'm married to my wife. I, I might have the, the ring to prove it. We may live in the same house, sleep on the same bed, eat at the same table. But if there's no relationship there, if there's no communication, it's going to lead us into ruin. It's going to lead us into, into trouble, into devastation. Why would we think otherwise with with our relationship with Christ. You know, what happens is when we lose our relationship with the Father, when we lose that relationship with those lines of communication with Jesus, we lose sight of who he truly is. You see, and when we lose sight of who he truly is, we lose sight of who we truly are. We start to develop an identity crisis. And I know because I've been there, And, and this might sound a little crazy to you guys watching today, and, um, but for those of you who may not know Jesus, um, I know God is telling you today, if, if you don't know Jesus, you don't truly know who you are. You don't truly know who you are because it's God that gives you purpose. It's God that has a plan for your life. And you may think you know who you are. You may think you, you, you know the plan for your life, but God has way different plans than you could even imagine. And on top of that, they're even better than you could even fathom. Amen. It's, it's, it's scary. You know, we, we've seen God, and um, yet we've, we still run sometimes. Like I said, I've been there in my life, um, at times in my life, and I shared my testimony, uh, my wife and I's testimony about our marriage last time we preached. Last time I preached, it was about two years ago. Um, you know, we... we we both knew God. We both saw God moving in our lives. But there was a time where we would definitely be classified, classified as prodigal son and prodigal daughter. We both ran away. We ran away from the love of God, the security of God. We ran away from each other. We were separated. Um, we ran away from the callings on our lives. And we chased after evil desire. Uh, Proverbs nineteen two three says, Desire without knowledge is not good. Desire without knowledge is not good. How much more will hasty feet miss the way? A person's own folly leads to their ruin. Yet their heart rages against the Lord. It says a a person's own folly, a person's own foolishness leads to their ruin. And we allowed our own foolishness to lead us into ruin. Like I said, we were separated from each other, separated from God. You know, and, and I remember this time like it was yesterday. It was five years ago. Um, and it happened over the course of a summer. And, you know, we were out like the prodigal son. We squandered our inheritance. We were livid 
wild lives, run, ran away from all our responsibilities. You know, in this whole summer, we were partying, we were doing our thing, but we never bumped into each other. We never saw each other while we were out. You know, we might have been going the same places. We, we never seen each other until this one time. And it was the end of summer. It was the end of summer party. It was, you know, Labor Day, big last hurrah. We're going to go out. We're going to have fun. And who do I see? My wife, and she sees me. We saw each other in the worst of circumstances. Shortly after that, <laughs> World War III ensued, and it, it was chaos, and there was conflict everywhere. It was a big scene. But what happened was God allowed us to see the devastation that we have created. All that, all that brokenness that we were running from, God had humbled us, and he had shown us, and he had had enough at that point. He, he had had enough at that point. You see, what, what he allowed for us to happen was for us to come to our senses. Because we weren't in our right mind. I know I wasn't in my right mind that entire summer. That was a dark period um, of my life. But he allowed me to come to my senses. And it's the same story that you find here in this passage of the prodigal son, who, after he was eaten in the pigsty, he came to his senses. You see, when you see the brokenness of your life, you realize that you're never going to make it without God. And that he is the greatest and the best thing that could ever happen to us. And how he could pull us out from the pit of despair and pull us out from that and clean us off. And his blood and his grace is sufficient. And it's here for you today. The Lord is calling some of us back to our senses. Look at what's going on around us, church. Like I said, you, you don't have to hear it from me. I'm not a news reporter, you know. But look at people are losing jobs. People are losing their lives. Nobody knows what tomorrow may bring. But we know that God's going to be the same as he was yesterday, as he is today, and as he is tomorrow, and as he is forevermore. And he's the only one that we can rely on. He's our source of hope. That in this storm, he's our anchor, and we're going to anchor. We're going to use our anchor, and we're going to rely, and we're going to lean on him. The prodigal son... You know, he, he realized he had messed up. He realized he had fallen short. He had re- realized that he had spit in his father's face, really, and disgraced him and disrespected him, squandered his inheritance, everything that his father had worked so hard for. He, he wasted it all. And I've done that in my life. He, he's, he's used me, and he, he's, he's loved me, and he's called me, but I ran from that. But then when he brought me to my senses, and I saw my brokenness, and I saw how much I needed him, and I rely on him, and I just thought, like the prodigal son, man, I'll just, I'll just come back and maybe I could just, you know, sit, in the, sit around in the back of the church and just be in his presence. That'll be enough for me. You know, the, the prodigal son said he could hire me as a, as a slave. I'll just be a slave to my father. That's enough for me as long as I'm back where I belong. You know, but God has other plans for us. He had other plans for me. He has other plans for you. When, his, when the prodigal son came back, they had a celebration for him. You know, they killed the fattened calf. He, he told the servants to go get a robe, to get a, a, a ring, put it on his finger. He welcomed him back in. He had a place for him. You know, if the, if the Lord just brought my wife and I back together, that would have been enough. But he had a celebration for us. He had other for us. He gave us our daughter. You know, when, when the world said we should have been separated, the world said if it was up to their standards, we would have been divorced. We would have been having custody battles over our firstborn son, Jaden. But, but the Lord redeemed us. 
He made us new. He touched us and He made us new and He gave us a blessing. He gave us a celebration of new life. He gave us our daughter, Emily Grace. We named her middle name Grace because that's our Grace child. And what Grace means is that's unmerited favor. And that's favor we don't deserve. Favor that doesn't belong with us, but He gave it to us freely. And He wants to give it to you freely. No matter what you've been through, no matter how far you ran from God, no matter how far astray you may have gone, you may have done terrible, disastrous things, but it doesn't matter. His grace is sufficient. And he wants to call you here today. He wants you to come to your senses. Tomorrow is not promised. Tomorrow is not promised. You may not have tomorrow. Today is the day he wants to welcome you back in with open and loving arms. The heart of God is here for you. He knows who you are. He wants you to know him. He wants to have a relationship with you. It's not about religion. He wants to know you. He wants you to know him. He wants to give you an identity. He has a calling in your life and it's very specific to you. And only you can fulfill that calling. You are worthy. You are valuable. He does have a place for you at the table. Amen? 1 Corinthians 13.5 You know, I'm glad that this, that, you know, the Lord works things out the way he always does. Um, Pastor Rick, as we know, has been preaching on agape love. And that's a selfless, sacrificial, unrelenting love of God that he has for us. It's agape love. It's a love like no other. That love is ready. It's, it's available for us to grab a hold of it. 1 Corinthians 13.5 says that love keeps no record of wrongs. And our God does not keep a record of wrongs if you are covered in the blood of Jesus. You are washed, redeemed, and made new. When he looks at you, he only sees his perfect and holy son. And not only that, he wants to call you and he wants to use you. Amen? There's another character in this passage. Another character parable of the prodigal son. He's the older brother. In Luke 15, verse 25, says the older brother became angry and refused to go in. This is, this is after they had the celebration. This is while they had the celebration for his younger brother. His younger brother could have been dead. He didn't even know if he was alive or not. He became angry and he refused to go in to join the party. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. God is telling us, some of us today, to join the party. You see, the older brother wasn't able to join the party because he had bitterness and resentment in his heart. He thought that he wasn't getting what he deserved. He thought that he should be in the place of his, his younger brother. He was saying, look, all these years I've been serving you, and you've never killed even a young goat for me, but you got the fattened calf for my long-lost brother who squandered your property with prostitutes. You know, it's funny, in some of my research, in Jewish culture, whenever you had two sons, two-thirds of the assets went to the older son. And one-third of the assets went to the younger son. The older son got more than what the younger son wasted. You see, when there's bitterness and resentment in your heart, 
You're not able to even realize the blessing of God in your life. You have a heart and you have a callous heart. And God is working. He's performing miracles. It's a, it's a miracle that we're alive here today, that we're going through live stream, bringing forth the word of God. Even this is a miracle. It's a miracle that I didn't get hit by a car on the way over here. But when we have bitterness and we're so pessimistic, and we're always so negative as believers, we're unable to see or receive God's love. We're unable to see his blessing in our lives and how much he has truly blessed us. pastor was talking last week, the glass is half full. The glass is half full. There's always hope. So the older son got more money than, he got more of an inheritance than the younger brother, but he still complained and saying, oh, how come I haven't even got a fat? You know, the scripture, scripture all over the place warns us about having bitterness and resentment and anger in our heart. Ephesians 4.31 says, Bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Hebrews 12.15 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that the root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. See, so you can't even obtain the grace of God if you have roots of bitterness in your heart. It causes a hardened heart. There's, there's no way you can receive God's love, that agape love. There's no way you can receive that into your life. And there's no way you could stand in freedom if you don't have God's agape love in your life. And, and, and if you have a res, uh, resentment and bitterness and anger in your heart, that's what the brother had. He wasn't able to join the party. He wasn't able to enjoy his younger, younger brother's success. And that's what happens in the community of believers, unfortunately, sometimes. You know, we're working the fields and we're serving Christ and we're, we're trying to do the right thing and, you know, but we're not really doing the right thing because we're doing it for the wrong reasons. Somebody else gets lifted up and we can't really enjoy their success because we feel like we're better than them. We feel like we deserve it. We should be in their spot. You know, the, the, as, as Pastor Bill said, we've been doing a Bible study on the Old Testament and right now I'm in Deuteronomy as well. And I just read Deuteronomy 7. And this is Moses speaking to the Israelites right before they're about to enter into the promised land. And he tells them what God is going to do. He's going to destroy many nations on their behalf. He's going to hand them over the victory. And these nations are going to be greater than they. They're going to be outnumbered, but still God's going to deliver them in victory. And he's going to bring them and drive them into the promised land. And he says, but, but quickly, don't get too full of yourself. It's not anything good that you did. It's the goodness of God. These Israelites, you've got to remember, they, they worshipped the false idol. They made the golden calf. All their complaining and grumbling. They wanted to go back into slavery. So how could they start thinking, oh, we're, we're holier than now. We're so much better than everybody else. God's going to deliver us into the promised land. And us Christians, we've seen God move in our lives and we've seen him perform miracles and we've seen the darkness that he brought out us, from, us out of but sometimes when we see him bringing others out of the darkness, we start thinking we're better than them. Or oh, I know that person. I, know, I really know about them. I, I know what they're all really about. Galatians 6 says that if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should take their own actions. Then they could take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. It says, 
they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. You see, what comparison does is comparison kills contentment. Comparison kills contentment. When you start comparing yourself to others for better or for worse, you kill your own enjoy, your own enjoyment, your own happiness. Because if we start coveting what others want, we're going to completely diminish the work of God in our own lives. If we say, oh, that's what I deserve, we don't even know what we deserve. We're completely diminishing what God has done. God has done so much, but yet we still want something else. Or in this case, in the case of the prodigal, the, the older brother, he was comparing himself to his younger brother. He thought he was better than him. He thought he was holier than that. He, he thought that he deserved a spot at a table with a, with a celebration in his name for his glory. Colossians 3, a, v- a very popular scripture, Colossians 3, um, verse 23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So the older brother might have been out in the fields and he might have been, you know, working, but he was working for his own name's sake, working for his own glory. He wanted to be celebrated for his success. He wanted to be celebrated for his commitment. And as Christians, as believers, sometimes that's how we are. Sometimes we feel we don't get the recognition um, that we deserve. You know, and, and it happens in different areas of our lives. I know it's happened for me, of course. You know, there's been times in my life that I've had those roots of bitterness in my own heart. You know, I've, it's happened at work. You know, it could happen at work. You see somebody getting a promotion. You see somebody else getting lifted up. And you realize, man, I've been doing that all along. How come I haven't been celebrated? We're not working for man's approval. Later goes on to say that since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ that you are serving. It's the Lord Christ that you are serving. So if you are serving humans, or you are serving anybody else other than Christ, it's going to lead to your destruction. There's actually lyrics that I I love from from Lecrae. He, He says that if you live for other people's acceptance, you will die from their rejections. The world is going to reject you. The world rejected our father. Our father, the world rejected Christ. We should expect that. You know, it's, it's, um, there was a question that uh, God had asked me this past week. It might have even been before that. Um, he asked me, when did Christianity, when did serving Christ, when did serving me become a competition? You know, you look and, and <laughs> you know, I, I try to come up with these clever little acronyms And I felt right away for SMS. And that's like a text message, right? SMS. But what I felt was it's social media syndrome. The church has social media syndrome. We're all in competition with one another. And I find it kind of scary that what's going on over um, all over the world today is happening right before Resurrection Sunday. And you look at some of these churches, not ours, of course, but you look at some of these churches and you look at the extravagant ideas that they have built around Easter. They don't even call it Resurrection Sunday anymore. It's Easter. You know, and, and there was a comedian, John Chris, and he's talking about it. He, he talked about it. You know, the people are planning 
flybys by Mach 5 jets over their church on Easter Sunday and people coming up with this March Madness thing and, it's, and we lose sight of, of God. We lose sight of Christ. And we start competing with one another. We try outdoing one another. When did Christianity become a, a competition? SMS, social media syndrome. It's, you know, we're all trying to boast our own name, trying to boast in our own glory, building our own fame. And it just never works out like that. It's like the older brother, you know? Just that you can have always going to have roots of bitterness and, and anger in your heart. And that's not, that's not supposed to be there. It's not what God called us to be. He called us to be like him. And that brings us to my third and my final character that's in this parable, that's in this passage. It's, it's the father. He's found in Luke 15, 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran out to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Yeah, I love how it starts off, but while, while he was still a long way off. And God wants to embrace you. He wants to see you. He wants to know you. Even though you may be a long way off, you just have to have, make that, that first commitment within your heart that you want to serve him. And he's going to meet you right where you're at. You know, the, the, the prodigal son, he had plans to, to go back to his father's household. But the, the father ran off before he could even get there and he welcomed him in. We're called to be like the father. We're called to share that same love with those who are lost, those who are hurting, those who are broken. That's who he wants us to be. We were created in his image. That same agape love that he has for us. He wants us to share it with others. That's his, that's his command. It's found all over Scripture. 1 John 3.11, it says, The message you heard from the very beginning, from Genesis, is this, that we must love one another. 1 John 3.18 says, My children, our love should not just be words and talk. It must be true love, which shows itself in action. Jesus showed his love in action for us. For me, for you, when he took that cross, we have that same kind of love within us. That same spirit that resurrected Christ from the dead dwells within us. It lives within us. It resides within us. It's our job. It's our duty. It's our calling to share it with others. Just as the, the father shared it with the prodigal son, he welcomed him back in. You know, he, he could have had every reason to feel disrespected and could have left him. He he, he could have had a right to say, you're not welcome here anymore. But he didn't. The father is also found in Luke 15, 31. And this is when he's talking to the older brother. He says, my son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So not only can he rejoice and welcome his long-lost son in, but he's able to console his, his older son. He says that everything I have is yours. You are always with me. That's the heart of God. That expands outside the entire universe. That expands out past the horizons. It's our calling to share that love with others. Romans 15, 7 says that we should accept one another 
just as Christ has accepted you in order to bring praise to God. I know when Christ accepted me, I wasn't at my best. I was actually at my worst. And I'm sure that remains the same for a lot of you here today. We are called to accept one another, even if they smell bad, even if they don't look the same, even if we know they're living in sin. John 13, 34 says, Now I give you a new commandment, to love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. See, it's a commandment. It's not an option. If you are a true follower of Christ, if you are a true believer of Christ, you will, you will, you will love others as he has loved you. You know, there's, there's other scriptures where, where God says that if you, if you want to truly show your love for me, you will keep my commands. So we can't say that we love God. We can't say that, you know, we, we honor him if we're not keeping his commands, if we're not walking in obedience. Today, God wants to call you back into his house, back into his presence, whether you were the prodigal son, whether you were the distant brother with a hardened heart. He wants to break you. He wants to humble you. He wants to make you brand new. And he wants to use you. He wants to share with you his heart so you can be the light of the world, so you can be the salt of the earth. At this time, I I want to call my wife to come up to close us out in a moment of of worship. I pray you would just meditate on what you've spoken to us today. I pray that God would use this to encourage us, to edify us, I'm going to close out with prayer and my wife will come. Father God, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for your truths, Father God, that we stand on, Lord. We stand on you, Father God, in the midst of uncertainty, Lord. Lord, we thank you for these moments, Father. We pray that you would be glorified. Lord, we pray that we would join together and worship, Father God, one last time, Lord. One last time, Father God, we pray that we would come together in unity, Lord, that you would be glorified, you would be edified, you would be lifted up, Father God. This is all for you, Lord, all for your kingdom, Lord, all for your purpose, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.